0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: This is The Conversation Hour.
2: On ABC Radio, Melbourne and Victoria.
3: The cliche line, a puppy is not just for Christmas, it's for life. It exists for a reason. Many of us might have actually received a pet as a Christmas present. But today in The Conversation Hour, we're asking, should we give pets as presents? And why we need to take that cliche seriously. Good morning, my name's Rochelle Hunt, your co-host this morning, Nick Healy, joining you from ABC Shepparton. Nick, have you ever asked or received a pet as a Christmas present?
0: I'm sure that when I was younger, I asked for pets a lot when Christmas came around. But pet ownership wasn't part of my childhood. We didn't do a lot of pets. So for me, pet ownership has been an adult activity and something I've taken Probably ridiculously serious if I'm, uh, if <laughs> I'm honest do. about it. It's never been casual for me at all. Uh, not helped by the fact that my first pet, uh, a cat called Ophelia was with me for 18 years, which really sets a bit of a tone for the whole thing. So no, every time I've gone to get a pet, it's, um, if it's been with a partner or even just with flatmates, it's been a very serious, long conversation weighing up pros and cons, but not everyone treats it that way.
3: And that's the idea. I mean, it's very easy to say, oh, I want a pony or I want a puppy for Christmas <laughs> or, you know, whatever it is, goldfish. They get put on Santa's list and they get asked. So if you, if Santa, if parents say, you know what, maybe we'll give you a, a puppy for Christmas, that's a great idea. That's... A serious obligation that you're taking on. And yes, it's a cliche, but we today, we're going to look through everything from Mm. how easily and how often people are being scammed at the moment when it comes to buying a, a, a puppy or a kitten or whatever it may be. Then there's the issues of breeders and reputable breeders and knowing whether or not you are buying from someone who is doing it properly and correctly, that have got all the checks and balances in place and you know what you're getting. And then add to that, Nick, what if you've made a stupid decision? <laughs> and <laughs> because you caved, just at the end of the year, we're all tired, and you say, you know what, maybe a puppy is a good idea. Mm. The number of surrenders that are happening, on top of the number of surrenders that have been happening over the last couple of years... This is why this conversation needs to happen.
0: And look, they are heartbreaking numbers in terms of the surrenders, given that not enough people are adopting anyway. So I think we know how that turns out, unfortunately. I think the trick is, for me, to think of it less as are we getting a pet? And if we start thinking of it as are we adding a new family member, maybe we put some of the weight, some of the serious on it that we need to.
3: And we saw that during COVID, didn't we, when many of us were oh. working from home, people were like, yeah. A have plenty of time. I've
0: got plenty of time. I can look after this. it would be great. Yada, and yada, yada. you back We know how that
3: went. Mm, exactly. Tanya Clark is the Director of Public Policy Campaigns at the Consumer Action Law Centre. Tanya, we know that scamming, well, it's rife in our lives. Let's face facts. Your phone's pinging all the time with dodgy <laughs> text. You don't know who to believe on, marketplace, and you name it. When we're talking about buying a pet... How easy is it to get scammed at the moment?
4: Oh, hi, Rochelle. Um, yes, it's uh, it's a, a, a problem um, that we have in terms of online, I guess you could call it shopping. Um, I take on uh, what you said before about it being a serious decision, but effectively it's, you know, buying a pet online. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's the ACCC had over sixteen thousand reports of pet scams last year um we don't know the full extent of you know how many people are being scammed i'd say that uh there's more than that um and we know that with a lot of these um online scams they're very sophisticated um and so yeah those numbers are touch touchstone for sophisticated scams um, I'd like to kind of – I think they're more akin to, like, romance scams because they mm. play on people's, you know, emotions. Emotions, yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it's a big problem.
0: T- Tanya, what do these scams look like? Like, how are people being ripped off? What are the mechanics at play?
4: So, well, as I said, there's people looking online and so they'd probably um, be looking at a fake ad, um, a fake website, They get sort of lured in by a picture of a very cute puppy um, and claims that it's, you know, registered, it's been lovingly raised. um, And also, you know, that if um, you wish wish to buy the dog, the seller will often claim that they've moved into state or overseas. Um, You might need to pay for transport or medical costs before the puppy can be delivered.
3: Oh, yes, Um, because a lot of that might seem legitimate.
4: Yes, that's right. That's the that's the trick. Is that working out the legitimacy of, you know, the um, the seller, the website, the advertisements. Um, often, if you've been asked to pay for money before receiving the puppy, that's a that's a red flag. Um, and then sometimes if the scammer claims the puppy is overseas, they may pretend that non-delivery is due to customs or quarantine issues um and that further payment is due so it's often as soon as you sort of ask for that payment that's where the red flags really
3: you know um, well I mean and the idea that a puppy or a kitten or whatever it may be is overseas I mean yeah surely that's something and I know we're going to speak to the RSPCA in just a moment but Mm. and understanding who a legitimate breeder is but Tanya we saw a peak of Animal pet scams happening during COVID because every second person wanted a designer dog. I mean, the amount of oodles, smoodle, oodles that are around.
4: (laughs) And I'm in that category, Rochelle. I was one of those people.
3: I say that with love, by the way. Yes. But we all, and I didn't, but yeah. <laughs> lots of other people wanted dogs uh, for mm-hmm. companionship, and we know all of the reasons why they're great. But have we seen that settle down a little bit, or is? because it really did peak the amount of scamming that people experienced and just the sheer price, right? So dogs that would once go, and I mean this is all forms of animals, I'm just using dogs as an, as an example, but they, a dog that might have cost a couple of thousand dollars all of a sudden went to $10,000.
4: Yes, you're right. It did peak in COVID. um, And I think it just goes to the point about how everyone went online as well. And you're relying on sort of truth and trust online. Um, What I can say in terms of, I guess, the anatomy of a scam and and whether it's still um, prevalent, we know it is from the reports that um, I quoted before. But in terms of you know the reporting of it i think um we know that scammers um the anatomy of a scam and what scam scammers do is they create fake profile and they just work out any loophole um, and also targets and building trust with people and their emotions we know that's the anatomy so look i think um there's probably a lot of people that are still subject to these um scams and that uh yeah that um it's really about the sophistication of the scams and the scammers doing what they can to play with you know people's vulnerabilities
0: Tanya, I'm glad you're highlighting how sophisticated these are because, you know, you mm-hmm. hear about being pan, uh, scammed for a pet. I mean, it sounds innately a bit ridiculous. Like, you know, you wanted a great dame, but a two hour turned up. You know, it's yes. not that. It is about being, you know, yeah, stolen right. from and in a very clever way. Are there, I mean, is there anything we can do? Is there anyone to turn to if this happens? I know that's been a problem for scams across the board.
4: Well, there's a couple of things I'd say about that. The first one is obviously people. The more people that report, the more we'll get an idea of the extent of the problem. And the, um, you know, the the regulators and the government working on this at the moment, they'll be able to um, target these scams and work out strategies to counter them. So that's really important. So where people should people report, report too? to ScamWatch, so they can just sort of, um, yeah, go online and report to ScamWatch. Um, And I think that's important because ScamWatch and the National Anti-Scam Centre, they really need to collect the data, you know, around where these scams are happening, what the trends are and the patterns of behaviour. So I think it really is useful to report. Um, Yeah, so the other thing to say is that because they are so sophisticated, Um, It's really important that, um, as a society, we shift the burden um, on industry. Um, And for us, we've been arguing particularly the banking industry because at the point where you're actually transferring money to scammers on the banking platforms, that's where the banks can actually step in
5: Mm.
6: and
4: stop those transfers and those payments from occurring. Um, And we're getting enough intel nationally and, as I said, through the National Anti-Scam Centre to be able to identify those accounts and the scammers and, um, you know, how they're operating online. So, um, there's a lot of work happening nationally um, and through the coordination of the reports and, you know, those um, government agencies I was talking about to actually stop the transfers to the scammers. Um, So, yeah, we're calling for the banks to do more and to reimburse customers where they have been tricked into transferring their money to scammers.
3: Really good advice, Tanya. Thank you, because it will be all ramping up, you know, at the moment and for the next couple of weeks. So people need to really be aware and to do their due diligence. And I mean, it's interesting, there's a, a text here that says, Whatever happened to the advice, see the breeder, see the litter and the parents before you buy. That's from Dorothy. So I actually think that's good advice as well. As much as you can, go out and visit the breeder so that you know it's legitimate. Tanya, thanks so much. Oh, pleasure. Thank you. Tanya Clark, the Director of Public Policy Campaigns from the Consumer Action Law Centre. So that was Scam Watch. That's where you report it if you think that something dodgy is happening. I'd love to know, Nick Healy, if someone ever asked as a kid, popped on the list from Santa, from Mum and Dad, I want a puppy, I want a kitten, I want a goldfish, whether or not they actually got that pet and how that worked out.
0: I'd love to hear from people on that because we've had a very timely reminder on the uh, text line saying, look, maybe it is time. Santa took a little responsibility and stopped rolling out pets for Christmas presents. You can't always blame, blame the parents, um, I think, as we head in and know it's a busy period for the man. Uh, that could be a big one. But, no, on a serious note, has this happened to you and how did it
3: go? I'd be really keen to hear from some people. Let's have a chat to Elizabeth, who's in Preston.
5: Uh, yeah, I've been scammed with, with the dog thing. Um uh during the, uh, the height of COVID, uh, my previous little dog had died. And so after about six months, I went for the second dog. And I usually I get them from pounds. Unfortunately, there was no, no small dog. So I went online. I was on a reputable site and got diverted. I oh. then um, chose a dog, went to the bank, did a bank transfer. They knew where the money went to. Mm. But they gave me the wrong form at the bank, rang me two weeks later and said, uh, we can't do anything, wrong form, duh, 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 duh. and that was the end of it. So I lost
3: $2,000. And you didn't end up with a with a um, a pet either. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, Elizabeth. This message is from Ash and it says, pets as gifts are conditionally okay if the person Gifting and receiving are going to look after it together. I got my dog for us as a present for my wife, and that's from Ash.
0: I think that's the important part. If we're talking about bringing a pet into a family or a couple or a household, if it's not just you who's going to be impacted by that, it's got to be a whole decision. It's got to be very carefully spoken about. And I just wanted to really quickly touch on the scam thing, something Tanya said about making sure we report it. That number of how many scams have come through pets that the ACCC had, that's likely to be low because people still feel very ashamed about reporting or commenting on their scams. And all I can do, and I bang on about this a lot. These are a business for people. It is sophisticated. A huge amount of money and Don't effort goes in to making you get tricked. You should not be embarrassed. We need to report them. Um, it's how we get a clearer picture and move on next.
3: Rick's in Orbost. day, Rick.
7: Yeah, hi. Um, yeah, look, this isn't a Christmas story, but it's a birthday story. Uh, when I was seven which is back in 1967, I uh, wrote a list of things I'd like for my birthday and included a puppy on it. Now, that was a bit of a joke because I didn't think there's any way we'd get a, a puppy. But uh, I woke up on my birthday and mum and dad bundled me and my three brothers into the car and off we went to the North Melbourne dog's home and uh, oh. came back with this tiny, scrungy little uh, <laughs> pup from the back of a cage uh, with a... Bunch of other dogs in there, and it proved to be the most magnificent family pet. Um, beautiful animals, intelligent, and a wonderful family.
3: That's Incident a great way, way to do it, Rick. The okay, yes, you put it say on your birthday list or your Christmas list, but you go together. as a family or as a together. couple, or, and you go to a lost dogs home or whatever it is, and you pick out you pick out your present, Rick.
7: <laughs> That's right, and, and the thing was, it was. Uh, obviously you know i didn't think we were, you know, I would. i'd get this puppy it was just a bit of a joke but it must have been a very conscious decision from mum and dad that yeah look at this i think it's time for a family animal and that's what they wanted to do and so off we all went so you know that worked out well i love that good Rick on you,
0: Rick. thank you mate i really really love that story we've got pam in ballarat pam good morning to you
5: Hello, how are you? I just wanted to say and reiterate what people have already said. The buying a puppy for Christmas for any special event, people have to take into account the fact that they're making a commitment that is sometimes decades long. And it's care, it's medical costs, it's food, and it, it, it really is a family member and I feel so passionately about the adopt, don't shop and make, rescue a life. It'll change your life, it'll make the dog or the cat's life.
0: Pam, I'm completely on board with that. I've got two rescues at the moment. I'm working on two more that happen to live under the house I just moved into. Yeah, I know. I'm turning into a crazy cat man. But you do. You change a life when you adopt, not shop. I, I could not agree more. And, Pam, I think you're just right. You, you've got to consider the whole of it. It's not just the walking. It's not just the, the, the feeding. It is the fact that you will be responsible for that life for, well, in my case, 18 years for one cat.
3: And I wonder... And this is flipping the responsibility, so I'm just chucking it out there. But, you know, as a breeder, and I know you can't buy puppies from pet shops anymore, but you can buy other pets from pet shops, whether there should be some responsibility from the person that is selling the animal around Christmas time to do some checks and balances to say, all right, do you actually know that this is more than just a Christmas present, that, you know, it's not like the Lego set that will just get shoved into the back of the cupboard after a, a couple of weeks when everybody's bored with it and that there's some responsibility on those who are selling the pet at this time of the year because there's red flags for them too.
0: There should be a lot of responsibility on that and I would have thought, and we will talk more about how to find responsible breeders very soon, but I would have thought that the mark of a responsible breeder is that they would care so much about those animals they'd want to know that it was going to the right place not a puppy mill where they just want to be able to sell it
3: karen's in Pearsdale. karen good morning
5: oh hello um i'm used to buying horses and we always get a vet check so when we wanted a puppy um the only one that i could find that fitted in was in queensland so i organized with the breeder to take take it to the vet up there and the vet and I and the breeder all spoke, and in the meanwhile, I'd checked out that the vet was genuine, and um, and and it's been the most delightful puppy. But I wouldn't buy one without a vet check. That's
3: interesting. So you're trusting the vet and the registered vet mm. as opposed to the breeder. I love that, Karen. That's a great idea.
5: Yeah, well, it's quite common if you're buying a horse to get it vet checked. And I thought, well, why not do that with a dog? And then you check out that the breed is genuine as well. And the breeder was um, happy to take the puppy along um, to prove that it was genuine.
3: I love that. And it all worked out. How's the puppy now?
5: Oh, he's wonderful. He's just a little.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and how are the horses?
5: <laughs> oh, well, they <well>, well, <laughs> a lot more care than the dog. We've got. Yes, I could
3: imagine. <laughs> Take up a little
8: bit more space.
3: I don't want the horse to do that. <laughs> good on you, Karen. Thank you. Have a lovely Christmas, Simon's in Glenroy. Hi, Simon.
8: Well, good day. Um, yeah, we were scammed trying to find a, a companion dog for our our dog, um, and and what happened was we we went onto a reputable site, just like one of your previous callers, but um, yeah, there, there was a the person that was offering the dog. The dog didn't exist. And we put a deposit down, and of course that Aww. went away. And we did a lot of reporting. We went to through the the federal government cyber scam report scheme, and we it, it eventually ended up with the Victorian police. And, and we was did that- get a call call from the Vic- police about a year later, um, but it's gone nowhere. We know we found the person actually on Facebook, and. Um, you know, reported their name to the police and, and told them, well, look, this is the name of the bank account that it went into. But um, nothing could be done. The banks couldn't do anything either. They they seemed to just avoid it, trying to do anything. that's it, because it's just anything. so common yeah. as well.
0: That is so yeah, frustrating, don't... Simon. And the fact that you've had that information, been able to pass it on and still nothing's happened, you must be, I don't know, tearing your hair out.
8: I think it's just because it's small fry, you know, it's a small amount of money. Uh. And um and there's not there's not a great urgency to stop these things, but when you look at it collectively across the country, a lot of people are suffering victim to this, and it's mm. it's a big problem, you know. And when how it's nationally, like how fed
3: income? Like how legitimate did it look, Simon?
8: Well, it looked it looked it did look legitimate. Um, I mean, we I think you're. As the person at the beginning of the show was talking about how. It's like a romance scam where they play on yeah. your emotions, and and that's exactly how it felt for us. We're we're two university educated people. We think that we're pretty smart. We, you know, we know how to run our lives, but we fell for this, right? So yeah. anyone, it can happen to anyone, and you shouldn't be ashamed to report it. It's yeah. just a shame that there's no reciprocation once you do.
3: Yeah. Thank you, Simon. Thank you for sharing that because it's really important. As we said, you can report it to Scam Watch. This is from Craig. It says, I got scammed with my dog. The kids said that they would walk it and feed it. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. (laughs) It's me every day. But this is from Tim Watson. He says, I'm a dog trainer. No reputable breeder would sell to a family for a Christmas present.
0: Now, and we've had a, a cat breeder come on the text line and say we absolutely make sure that our kittens are a perfect fit for the right family. Um, I love the fact that we're hearing from breeders saying that, yes, you know, one of the things we make sure is that it's not going to any home, that we know they're going to be home somewhere where they're going to be loved and looked after.
3: So have you ever asked or have you ever received a pet as a Christmas present?
6: If only I could have a puppy, i call myself so mm-hmm. fed-
3: a cliche line, a puppy's not just for Christmas, it's for life. It's a cliche because, well, it's real, actually. It's true.
0: It's, it's all true.
3: It's true. So many great texts on this. Uh, Rochelle, maybe it's time Santa took some responsibility here and stopped rolling out pets for Christmas. Thank you very much. But another from Meredith, and she's in Northgate, and she says... Rebreeders taking responsibility. My first dog, Jones, (laughs) good name, by the way, a Welsh terrier, came from a vigilant, caring breeder who actually came and did a house check to ensure that our house and our garden were size appropriate for the future of the pup. They interviewed us as much as we were checking out the puppies. I love that. So it's a little bit of a... Actually, you know what? I'm going to come and do a welfare check on you, human being, to what? make sure that this dog or this cat belongs in your house.
0: Lots and lots of people talking about making sure your research is done as well. Karen saying it's not always just about adopting. Uh, it's about doing your research on breed and family circumstances as well. Karen says, oh, we would have loved to have adopted when we were looking for our dog, but everywhere we looked, the dogs that were available just weren't suited for our family circumstances. You know, making sure that the pet is an appropriate fit is really important.
3: Michael Stagg is the Chief Inspector at the RSPCA. Michael, over the last couple of years, there's been a huge spotlight put onto, in particular, puppy breeders as we saw a massive influx of people wanting dogs and now we add scams to them as well. What should people look for? How? What does a reputable breeder even mean?
2: Well, good morning and thank you very much for having us on. Um... I think what we would say in the first instance and this message has come through already from some of your callers which i'm really comforted to hear is we would certainly um again emphasize that adopt don't shop mentality there are so many animals in reputable shelters including rspca shelters who are ready for their forever homes however if you are looking to buy rather than adopt um i think there is a number of red flags that any prospective buyer can can look out for um i should say in the at, at the start that RSPCA has a number of guides online. If you search on the internet, RSPCA and Smart Puppy Guide and Smart Kitten Guide, that has all the information that you need to know. But in summary, some red flags uh, to look out for. Certainly anybody who is looking to um, sell an animal in a public place or meet in a public place, such as a park, roadside, a car park, McDonald's car park, something like that, this is illegal in Victoria, and that's a really big red flag. Um, the other really big red flag is that any breeder or seller in Victoria should be registered on a um, on a database called the Pet Exchange Register. That's a government website. The Pet Exchange, every- did you say? Pet exchange register, that's right. Um, And every online advertisement for a cattle dog must include the breeder or seller's source number and the animal's microchip details. If you see an ad uh, for a a puppy or a kitten that doesn't contain uh, these registration numbers or these source numbers, um, no code, no sale, don't buy it.
0: Michael, Rochelle said uh, at the start that this has been under the spotlight for a while. How much has it changed in the last few years? Have we seen a real turnaround? Oh,
2: look, the, these things, I think, come in peaks and troughs. Um, right. Obviously, during COVID, there was a large demand for, for puppies and dogs. Obviously, everybody got a, a puppy during COVID or an air fryer. Um, those are the two things. <laughs> that people I didn't do. get either. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I didn't get either, either, and I, I think I really do need to get an air fryer. Same. But,
3: um, All right. Know, they made spring rolls at my friend's house so quickly the other day that I think I'm getting an air fryer. But anyhow, I digress.
2: I do, I, I do feel like I'm going off track. But, um, <laughs> the, um it, it, it is really, it is, it is really important. Um, uh, it's it's really important to make sure that that those things are done correctly, and I think that there are um, yeah, there's, there's a number of things that people need to look out for. Look out for those breeder uh, source numbers. Look out for the animals' microchip details, and the most important thing is no source, no sale. Um, in, in terms of trends, there are certainly trends that go up and down. We saw a lot of demands for dogs during COVID. But um, that has gone down a little bit now post-COVID, but the, the, you know, we're sure that it'll go up again relatively soon.
3: We saw price gouting, essentially, during COVID because everybody wanted the dog, so prices of dogs and cats and rabbits, all sorts of things, tripled, but dogs in particular. Have prices come back to pre-COVID and do you see them peak over the Christmas period
2: um, we, we don't necessarily, I think there is a little bit of an uptick in prices over the Christmas period. It's not something RSPCA really monitors. There certainly was um, a, a large uptick during COVID which I think has come back down to sort of baseline levels and we do have a number of dogs, as I said before, in RSPCA shelters or other reputable animal shelters across the state that really do need rehoming that had been given up during COVID um, and also I think the most other important thing to emphasise as well is it's not just a post-COVID phenomenon; it's also very closely linked to the increasing cost of living. Yeah. So, our team at the RSPCA inspectors—we go out and visit people mm. on a daily basis who are having trouble caring for their pets. Yeah. And what we're seeing quite, what we're seeing quite a lot, is people really struggling to care for their pets financially because the cost of living has gone up so much. You know, the cost of going to a to a supermarket, or yeah. filling your fuel tank. Or um, feeding your children has gone up that they can't afford to take their animals to the vet, and it's quite terrible. And
3: sometimes you'll hear examples of people that will feed their animal but not themselves.
2: Well, 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 that's exactly right. And and most people really want to care for their animals. Uh, you know, most people get animals really wanting to care for them, um, and will feed the animal over themselves, which obviously leads to additional problems.
0: Michael, I just wanted to quickly say, in terms of um, the inspections you do, you know, I know you're going out and talking to to individual people who are having trouble caring for animals. When you're out looking at places that are breeding, is that a proactive thing? Is the RSPCA checking on them, or are you waiting to get calls that people are a bit worried?
2: Oh, look, we, we we certainly do try to do proactive inspections where we can. Primarily, though, due to the fact that you know we're a relatively small team in the state of Victoria, it's very large. We are reliant on information coming from members of the public. So I think the key message um, for any member of the public who, who's listening to this is if you see something, do say something. If you go into the RSPCA Victoria's website, we have a section on that website which is called the tip-off line. And if you have any information about... Um, illegal or suspected illegal breeding activities, please, please report what you're seeing and we will ensure some of our inspectors go out and investigate as soon as we possibly can.
3: So that's good. So that's the tip offline on the RSPCA's website and you've also mentioned the Pet Exchange website. Just finally, Michael Staggers, the Chief Inspector of the RSPCA, we've had quite a few people sort of wanting to flip the responsibility a little bit, especially around Christmas time because sometimes parents or carers or Santa think they're doing the right thing and yes, a puppy's a great idea, let's get one. Should some responsibility come back onto the breeder, especially at this time of the year, to say, "Hang on, I've got some red flags here. You don't realise what you're buying here," and I don't think it's, a, you know, it's my responsibility to make sure that it goes to the right owner.
2: Oh, look, there are some breeders who are very who are very good at that, but I would I would primarily say that the responsibility is with people um, people buying the pets, um, and we understand that this time of year. You know, there's an urge to, to, to surprise a loved one with a new pet sometimes, but we really don't recommend or encourage this. There's a number of things to take into consideration that you um, and your team have already mentioned in the last half an hour around caring for a pet for its entire lifespan. It's really important that any decision to get a pet is a is a family decision and it's considered really carefully because the family might be caring for that pet for, um, as was said before, ten to twenty years sometimes.
3: Can I just ask you a quick question? I don't know if this is correct or not, but we've just had a text saying that, you know, one particular animal rescue posted on Facebook just today that older dogs are being dumped into shelters this month to make room for all the Christmas puppies that they're expecting to receive. Do you see behaviour like that occur?
2: Oh, I, I don't have any information that behaviour like that behaviour like that is occurring. Um, and we don't necessarily even see an uptick in, in animals going into... Going into shelters at Christmas, like like I said, it's it's it really does vary, and it's impossible to put a single figure on that.
0: Michael, thank you so much for your time this morning. Michael Stagg, who is the chief inspector at the RSPCA in Victoria, a text saying my sister is a dog breeder. She has an application. Process. She vets all applicants. Mm -hmm. She then meets with them to make sure that they're suitable for the breed. And then if you are a lucky candidate, you get a breed handbook and follow-up calls when you get the puppy. This text is saying that is what good breeders do. And Sylvia's called in. Sylvia, you are also a dog breeder.
9: I am. Well, not a dog breeder as such, but I've had a couple of litters of Kelpies. We vet everyone. Sometimes it doesn't work out for that family just through no fault of either um, and we had one family that, and we always say to everyone, if it's not working, give it back to us. Um, oh, we take man. the dog back. And Does, has that ever happened? And rehomed it. Has that ever and happened, we didn't give Sylvia? The money
3: back, pardon? Have you ever taken a dog back? Yeah, I've taken it. I've
9: taken a Kelpie pup back. And, um, good on that person
3: for coming back to you because that would take a lot of courage to say this is not working. It
9: just just didn't work for their family. It was a Kelpie as well. And I think after mustard dogs, it would have been a bit of, um, Kelpie mania going around. (laughs) And, um, and, um, yeah. And so we, but we know where all our pups are. People still send us photos of, you know, we only ever had two litters. And when they have their birthday, we get photos or we meet them again somewhere, you know, oh. they'll come and bring them up. And yeah, it's really heartwarming. And, so um, if someone well, we, comes to, to you at Christmas, Christmas time, Sylvia, well. what do you say? No, I, I, I think a Christmas dog is ridiculous. You know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to really think about it, too. It's for life, and, you know, it's a considered decision. And I love the family story, you know, with the boy wanting the the puppy for a birthday, and they went to the pound.
3: It's different, isn't it? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Sylvia, thank you. Merry Christmas. I'm officially a Merry Christmas mode. Right? It's just happened. I'm embracing. It. <laughs> Where did that come from? Oh, I don't know. They really just jumped festive. out. All right, great. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Nicole. Sent a message, and this is sort of similar to what Sylvia was saying there. It says, my late primary school age kids have been asking for a puppy for a really long time. I contacted a breeder who just happened to have a litter plant before Christmas. The timing for our family is great, as we all have time off to put into training and care, but a puppy is not cheap. So looking at being able to supplement other Christmas presents is something else we need to look at. I'm aware the dog will live in my home longer than my kid's. And ultimately, the dog will be my responsibility as the parent, but also a great lesson in responsibility for the kids and learning how to care for an animal. See, that's the thing too. If a child is asking you for a dog or for a cat and they're 13 years old, then your cat lived for 18 years.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you have to be ready to step in if you are doing that as a family. It has to be all family members who are willing to take that care. The responsibility for something that is a alive, a living organism with thoughts and feelings, it cannot fall down to just one person.
1: This is the Conversation Hour.
3: I love
7: my dog
2: as much as I love you.
3: <laughs> you. Pets at Christmas. This is good advice. This is from Mandy in Anglesey. Having raised 16 guide dog puppies over many years, over 23 years, may I say Christmas Day is not the day for any puppy. So many hazards, so much excitement and distraction. If you must give a pup for Christmas, then also give the bed, the crate, the bowls and the leads Mm. for Christmas and pick up the puppy when the household is back to normal. Decorations, destruction and food, get them out of the way. In just a tick we're gonna to speak to a vet because that Mandy is bang on and so many pets end up at the vet, some even on a drip, because of what they've consumed or what they've been given on Christmas Day when we're all kind of doing Having everything good time. to yeah. excess. <laughs>
0: Which I didn't realise. It's something to consider as well. And I'll just say we got another text in from the kitten breeder I mentioned before saying that they do keep in touch with all of the families who have taken kittens from them, purchased kittens. There's photos. They keep in contact. They love to see the kittens grow and being looked after and being loved. And again,
3: I think it's a great sign of a reputable breeder. Trish Ennis is the CEO of the Companion Animal Network. Trish, How important is it to really think about the person that you're giving this pet to for Christmas, the person's permission, and I guess the responsibility that you're passing on to
1: someone? Oh, look, it's huge. Uh, Thanks, Rochelle. Um, I think everyone needs to get the person's permission for a start Mm. because the responsibility is huge. Um, they've got to be able to take that person on the on the journey, if you like, to be able to, to get that pet. So whether it's a kitten or a dog or a bird or a fish or rabbit, um, if they're on that journey, uh, they get to make choices as well. So that's a better way of doing things, I think.
0: Trish, we've had a few conversations about Adopt, Don't Shop, something I'm very passionate about, having a couple of rescues myself, but something we haven't touched on yet is people being able to, I, I guess, dip their toe in by doing some foster caring.
1: Oh, it's a try before you buy. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, especially over Christmas because a lot of our foster carers do take holidays as well, so they have to go back to the shelters and... Um, so if you could just even take a foster... A foster oh, what a foster great foster idea. There. So yeah.
3: the Christmas holidays, when maybe there's more people at home, you can
1: try before you buy and you take in a, a foster animal at Christmas. Yes, exactly. And they've all been... A lot of them have been returned to the shelters because these people are travelling. So they're, home, they're normally pets that are used to being in a home anyway which is wonderful, and, yes, it's a great thing. I mean, the thing is that that you're supplied with the food, the bedding, uh, the vet information, all of that. So there's no cost.
0: And, and Trish, if we were doing that, we'd be going through one of the rescue places we know. Is that where we'd kind of find a a fostering network?
1: Absolutely, and I know Lord Smith do it. Um, They're one of our members. Uh, But any of the reputable rescue places will do it. Because it is always better to have an animal out in foster care than it is to have in the shelter.
3: Trish, stay with us because Jessica's in Yandoit. Jessica, you fostered a dog.
10: Yeah, I've just taken on a Blue Heeler pup and her name is Blue. She's only six months old just and I'm her third owner or third home. And she was originally, uh, did I just say this? She was originally purchased because of the ABC. The kids wanted the first wow. wanted her for the dog blue of the cartoon series, I think yeah. it is, that you've got. And she's high energy and she's not for the faint-hearted. She's an absolute delight. But I have to watch my lambs. She's off trying to catch rabbits. She'd chase the kangaroos if I... Let her off the leash for a minute. So she requires a lot of intensive training. Fabulous dog, but you, if you got it because of the cartoon, you're sort of getting the wrong dog. <laughs> and
0: and, and I, I think it's a really good point, Jessica, too. It's like fostering is caring. You have to be prepared for it. It is hard work in some cases.
10: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to get a dog, like I think it happened when Red Dog was made. Uh, wow. that film uh, a lot of people want to kelpies and uh, you, you're getting them for, kind of for the wrong reason and um, yeah yeah I mean, and uh, that's the thing you see you
3: don't want to see animals kind of come in and out of fashion no. and and vogue as a result but there you go trish i mean people like jessica are already fostering so i think that's some great advice trish thank you and people can jump onto the companion animal network uh, website as well if they want more information
1: Absolutely. Yeah, jump on our website and you'll see all our uh, information on, even on pet scams oh, so, okay. that you had on earlier. So, yes, please, uh, AustraliaCan.org.au. Trish Ennis, thank you so much. We appreciate your time.
3: Thanks, guys. Talking she- about pets for Christmas, so this message is from Cathy. My 10-year-old daughter asked for a rabbit for Christmas and given that <laughs> rabbits are a bit fragile... <laughs> We decided it wasn't a great idea for the rabbit. So we got her five chickens instead. (laughs) Best present ever. She gets to cuddle the chickens. We get to look after them and we get eggs.
0: That is the perfect solution to everything. No, look, chickens, I've got a lot of friends even living in, in cities who have a chick, chook or two in the backyard um, who are pets. They're not just there to lay eggs and take care of scraps. They are very loved be, again, family members, but
3: you get both. you got to be responsible there too no, because 100%, of there's course. foxes everywhere and a chicken's not just for Christmas,
0: Nick. Right. No, it wasn't. That's the turkey <laughs> that's for Christmas. The chicken <laughs>
1: can be for life. <laughs> Sorry.
3: Help! Let's do- this is the conversation hour. hound <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Poppy's not just for Christmas, it's for life. But some people do it and take it really seriously. Kate's in the hills, and she says after many years of the kids asking, we got our beautiful golden retriever last Christmas. My kids are 13, 16, and 19 at the time. But it took us this long to be ready, as I knew most of the work would end up with me. Sure enough, that's what's happened, even though everybody loves him dearly. That's from Kate. Kerry Farlum is a vet. She's from Vet Love in Nobby Beach. Kerry, we had some really good advice from someone who's trained, you know, I think it was 16 uh, vision uh, dogs for those who are vision impaired. And she was saying, you know, if you're going to give a dog a christmas then you've got to give everything else to make sure that that dog is okay the crate the bedding the leash you name it and then make sure that everything is picked up afterwards tinsel leftover food because it's a really high chance of a pet getting sick at christmas time that's true isn't it
6: yeah, absolutely guys. I think you know, at Christmas time, I think it might surprise you to learn how many of our pets are are in the hospital and and needing intensive care. And you know, I think it centres around the fact that, you know, Christmas is a time of togetherness, it's a time of family, and so many of our festivities are centred around food and enjoying those meals together and our pets being a part of the family, the inclination is to to share that with them. And I think there's, you know, there's just not enough knowledge centered around um, what is safe to give them Um, and not just about toxic foods, which, you know, that's very important to mention, the whole list of toxic foods, but just sort of our biggest issue revolves around the sudden introduction of something that's rich or fatty. You know, we want to share share a piece of the ham, we want to share a piece of that roast chicken that we've poured our hearts into and, and how can we resist the puppy eyes, you know, looking <laughs> up at us in that sense. Um, but I think, you know, it, it's it's not very common knowledge that our pet's gut is just so adapted to what they normally eat that the sudden introduction of something that they don't normally have is enough to trigger them to be in hospital, vomiting profusely, mm. having diarrhea and having a gut that's actually bleeding from a little piece of lamb or a little piece of roast chicken.
0: Kerry, I'm, honestly, like I, I understood they could get a bit of a tricky tummy. I knew it could make them a little unwell and I'd love to talk a bit more about the toxic foods in a second, but I had no idea it could genuinely go that badly.
6: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it's something that, you know, you never realize until you're in that position and, you know, people will be so shocked, but it it was just a little bit of this. Um, How how on earth can that be bad? And it's it's not that lamb or chicken or anything is toxic to the dog. It's the fact that their gut hasn't had time to adapt to that. And so they're really sensitive to that sudden change. and I think an important comment is just, you know, the popularity of all the poodle crosses. You know, everyone's got a, a labradoodle, a cavoodle, a nothing doodle. Um, um, yes, speak but, my language, know, but, Carrie. <laughs> but um, the, the poodles are beautiful dogs and they're so popular, but they do have very sensitive guts. Um, and so it's very different to your your farm dog. You know that can probably tolerate the variability of you know this or that being being offered to them. But with the with those poodle crosses, you know you just give them the tiniest little bit of something different, and all of a sudden they're they're
3: seriously sick. And there's not just what we're eating and giving it to the to the dog. The sheer rise of the pet present industry and presents for the pet. And a lot of it is food-based. And you'd probably need to do your research in terms of, well, who's making... Because I nearly accidentally ate the the dog's Christmas muffins one oh, nice, Christmas. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out I would have been I fine. I thought they were delicious. <laughs> well, uh, they look like muffins. Anyhow, the rise of... <laughs> Just pet food wrapped in Christmas things and pet presents, does that concern you, Kerry, because it's not normally the food they'd be getting, they'd be eating more food. And also, too, if it's something that's just being marketed, it may not even be from a pet food provider.
6: Yeah, absolutely. I think there has to be, you know, a level of caution with what they're giving them. Um, You know, to be honest, I find that less of the real problematic issues over Christmas arise from, you know, pet treats. It's more sort of the human side of things. But obviously, if we are digging into, you know, what treats we are buying for our pets, I think we obviously have to be cognizant of the fact that very many providers can sell something that they've designed for pets without actually going through much testing or Quality control before it's put on the shelf, and it might be pretty, and it might have um, a list of beautiful ingredients. But unless something is actually being sold through a veterinarian, very often it doesn't have to jump through the hoops um, ah. to be certified as being, you know, whatever it is, you know, perfect for X, Y, or, Z, or it's past X Y or Z quality control. Um, and so, you know, if we're buying these um, buying these treats, we obviously we we need to try and sort of use our gut feel as to, as to what's in there and whether or not it's just a, a gimmicky treat, you know, that's come out.
0: And Kerry, I'll say, as someone who looked into making their own cat food for a while, um, uh, for one particular sensitive tummy cat that I had, Don yeah, John, um, I, I know how difficult it can be, and it's about more than just the meat or anything like that. It's, a, it's all the supplements, making sure they're getting a balanced diet. We have had someone text in saying, "Look, I thought lamb or chicken would be simply just fine," and and just to clarify for you, it's the sudden introduction of these foods rather than them being a part of a diet. Is that what I'm? Is yeah, that what I'm getting?
6: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are many dogs that have a specifically formulated lamb-based diet or chicken-based or beef-based, whatever. But I think it's also, it's partially the sudden introduction and also because the way we cook foods, we're Mm -hmm. doing them with a lot of oils and fats and roasting them. And when we do that, the fat from the meat actually, it penetrates through that entire meat, you know. So even if we're going, oh, but I took the, the skin off of the chicken all of that fat has penetrated through the entire carcass. And so even if you're picking out some of the meat, it's still really, really fatty, I think is the biggest trigger. And just the fact that
3: we're, as humans on that day, we're eating like, 10 times what we would normally eat <laughs> oh, yeah. so if you're giving your pet more than it would normally eat on that day because you know you eat from sun up to sundown like and we all just feel gross <laughs> exactly. at the end of it and if you're constantly in who else you know you nan and pa might be giving them a little bit and auntie oh, yeah everyone wants to treat them because they're looking at you so cute and how can you not include
6: them you know <laughs> i always try and help people you know sort of say rather focus on what you can do and not what you can't and and make sure that there's a cute little jar of treats that are acceptable for that dog and that people know where they are and they can reach for them so that the pet still feels included but no one's going hey I'm going to give you this pork rib bone off of my
3: plate Just don't eat it yourself like I Mm. nearly did. Come on (laughs) that
0: muffin would have been fine for you your coat would have looked amazing.
6: I
3: think it was I think it it was like a carrot cake or something.
6: (laughs) I think that's I think, you know, just uh, sort of branching from that to- topic topic of, of muffins and that sort of thing is just touching on the fact that I think, you know, a lot of health conscious people will be doing some cooking with xylitol. You know, they may be baking Christmas puddings and wanting to substitute some of the sugar component with xylitol and just being very aware that that is extremely toxic for dogs. Um, it's it's pretty much a death sentence. Oh, wow. So, um, So, you know, the the muffins that you you know that you've baked that maybe you've substituted that out. if they get a little morsel of that that's actually have to be relatively a... dangerous
3: absolutely yeah. it's such good mm. advice i mean lots of people talking about you know at easter time we sort of know to be really careful of the chocolate when it comes to uh animals and in particular dogs and making sure they don't get it it's really good advice kerry thank you so much no problem. Kerry Farlum there. She's the vet director of Vet Love in Nobby Beach. I didn't actually get to ask her, though, how she feels about pets being dressed up at Christmas oh, time. Look, I
0: mean, that's a rampant cruelty. I'm not one of the... I, I'll never... Like, maybe a hat on a dog, but don't do it to your cat. Dogs don't wear can hats, look at man. Cat, dogs love a Christmas hat. Cats no, they don't. do not. They do, they do. They do.
3: How do you know that dogs <laughs> like... Christmas hats.
0: Cuz I know cats don't, so therefore dogs must.
3: A little jumper maybe. <laughs> right? If it, but it's not even cold. But then, you know, the bobbly ears, it all goes too far at Christmas time. Hey, we've got given some really good websites today. So if you've just tuned in and maybe there's someone who you want to share this episode of The Conversation Hour with, you can always do that. The Conversation Hour is a podcast. Just go to the ABC Listener. You can listen back to other episodes and share it. But Scam Watch, because we started at the top of this show talking about how many scams are happening, especially at this time of the year when it comes to just breeders, just pet breeders. So go yeah. to scamwatch and report. And as you said, Nick, don't be embarrassed to report.
0: Please don't. We need a really clear picture of how common these are. It's a really vital that we get that understanding because that's how we go about fixing it. So do report it.
3: And there was the Pet Exchange website, which the RSPCA yep. spoke about. So if you want to know whether or not that is a reputable breeder, you can go to the Pet Exchange website. And then if you suspect... If something is a little sus, then you can go to the RSPCA's website to their tip-off section as well. So if you've seen a breeder, if you've been contacted, if you think that there is a scam in play, then you can go to the tip-off section at the RSPCA. And they're all really good bits of advice because sometimes we just feel a bit hopeless, embarrassed. Yeah. We're like, well, what am I going to do? There's no one there to help anyway.
0: And look, changing tack for just one second. I just want to throw this out here because it's a bit of a passion topic for me. We've been talking a lot about adopting. Um, consider adopting an older animal. They are always the ones left behind. And I do know that there could be a difficult conversation in a few years if it's with a family. You know, they may only have a couple of years of life left. But do what you can to give them a beautiful life for the few years they have left it's a hard decision they get left behind but i'd highly recommend think about adopting an older animal if that's what you're looking for
3: absolutely that's a great idea hey tomorrow on the conversation hour we're looking at the state of local pubs so local pubs in suburbs and in communities the idea of being a single publican, how possible is that now, Nick? Because we're seeing more and more big businesses and conglomerates that are buying into pubs. We're seeing smaller pubs in small communities that are sort of just being left to go to rack and ruin because the idea of being able to afford to be a publican is really hard now. And this is more than just a, a drinking hole and a watering hole for a lot of communities. They are a place where people meet and gather. So that's tomorrow. Until then, take care.